3: Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian.
4: Getting you ready for the day in sports betting, this is Point Spread Sunday on vSAN, the sports betting network. welcome to point spread sunday here on visa the sports betting network nba playoffs continue full slate of major league baseball more on the nhl as the season regular season comes to a close and we'll have it all for you here on point spread sunday good morning welcome in i'm mark Zeno. thank you so much for joining me on point spread sunday a lot to get to today nba playoffs will continue to preview as the other half gets started with their game ones after a big day yesterday and before we recap. Yesterday in the NBA, I owe all of you viewers and listeners of a, a, a Point Spread Saturday an apology. I was dog poo yesterday. I was a dumpster fire. I was flaming whatever. It was awful. I apologize. That was not my best work yesterday. So I appreciate you guys hanging in and staying with me. But we'll keep firing uh, because it's what we do here. And uh, I appreciate you guys letting me know on Twitter how bad I sucked. Uh, it was well worth it. It's it, Listen, I, it, good days and bad days happen. Manage your bankroll appropriately, uh, control what you wager, and, and and make sure you set limits for yourself. But uh, it was just one of those days for me. We'll get up, dust ourselves off, and get right back to it uh, as we look at the NBA playoffs to start. And one of the things I missed on yesterday, the Memphis Grizzlies. I mean, raise your hand if you had them coming out that flat uh, against a team that, to me, appeared very overconfident in the Minnesota Timberwolves. Heading into that matchup, Uh, not only does Memphis not cover, but they lose outright. Anthony Edwards has a huge game. Uh, Now the fourth youngest player to score 30 points in an NBA playoff game. It was a fantastic display by the Minnesota Timberwolves offensively. That's why we're uh, the numbering offense in the league. And you saw that yesterday uh, on full display because they just put together a great game from the start. They scored 41 points in the first quarter and never really looked back. I mean, you know, Memphis tied it up a couple times, but you never really felt like Memphis was a threat to take the game over I mean Minnesota seemed in full control for a better part of that game so you give them a big props and and, and congratulations because I thought they played an excellent game Minnesota, they had a great game plan you know they, they limit John Moran as much as you can limit John Moran but it was it was absolutely worth um, the price of admission from an entertainment standpoint because shots were falling that thing went way over the total uh, if you took the over it was Went right as he was expected to go. I mean, both teams really had 100 points by the end of the third quarter. So uh, it was fast-paced and shots were falling. Uh, Conversely, you look at the Utah Jazz and Dallas Mavericks uh, in in that game. And depending on – this is why we always say, guys, shop around and look for a number. Depending on what you got that at, uh, you know, it was – I think it closed at five. Uh, And the Jazz end up winning by six. You know, it was a close game in the first half, and I really thought Dallas was going to end up pulling it out. That was such a heavily public bet by the Utah Jazz yesterday. Uh, And really, I mean, it it was something that I just ran away from. There was way too much of the public on Utah to even touch the game. And Dallas without Luka, you know, it's just one of those things where I I couldn't be confident to put my money on it. I know a lot of sharp people who did back Dallas yesterday, and they felt great heading into the fourth quarter, but it just wasn't to be as as uh, Utah wins by six. And like you just saw the graphic there, it was at five and a half at some point yesterday. So uh, it was it was close enough where, um, you know, those people who make the lines out there in the desert, uh, they're really good at their job, and they figured that one dead on. Uh, Raptors did not show up yesterday like I thought they were going to. Philadelphia, what a great showing by the 76ers at home. You now I talked about pressure being on Philadelphia yesterday and, and a team that absolutely had to win game one to sort of put their fan base on ease a little bit uh, and get them off the ledge because I think Philadelphia really is a a feast or famine type playoff team. Either they're getting bounced out of this series or I think they're in the Eastern Conference Finals in a dogfight to try to win the entire thing and go to uh, the NBA Finals. I mean, I kind of just feel like that's where they are right now. Uh, And they played like a team that was going to be in Eastern Conference Finals yesterday. Their offense was fantastic. Toronto could never get anything going. And it was Philly's defense that really impressed me. Uh, And that, that was kind of the difference in the game as they really limited Toronto's offense Uh, for a better part of that game. So Philadelphia moves on. Uh, And then the one thing I did get right yesterday was Golden State. (laughs) They cover the six and a half, and it goes over the total. Um, And and really, you know, part of me feels like I got a little bit lucky because the pace going into the third quarter of that thing was way under the 223. It was down in the the 215, 216, 17 range on live lines in the second quarter. So uh, they did some furious scoring towards the end there. But the Warriors, again, another team that was in full control, uh, I was more surprised. I wasn't surprised that the Warriors got to the number they did at 123. I think the final was. Um, I, I thought Denver was going to be able to score a little bit more, but that—that's kind of the difference that Steph Curry brings. And you talk about that Golden State defense. That while he was healthy for the first two or three months of the season, four months of the season was really, you know, a top two, top three defense in the NBA, allowing just about 103, or 104 points per game. That's the defense that showed back up last night. Uh, against the the Denver Nuggets, so uh, there, you, there's your kind of recap from yesterday uh, as the numbers all close, and we'll take a look at some of the lines for Game Two coming up here uh, in the next segment. But we have four more games on tap for today, starting with the Atlanta Hawks and the Miami Heat. Now, uh, the Heat are laying six and a half points in this game, and there's there's some backing to the logic that maybe Atlanta starts hot. They've been in playoff mode now for two games already. Uh, and Miami's been sitting down for a week. And so there's a rest versus rust scenario there. And, you know, when I handicap this game, it's the Hawks are going to be at a massive size disadvantage without Clint Capella, hyperextended his knee. They expect him to miss a week. Uh, which means he may come back for games three and games four in Atlanta. Uh, we'll see how that goes. And there were reports yesterday on The Athletic from Chris Kirshner, who uh, is the beat writer for the Atlanta Hawks, for The Athletic, and Sham Sharonia, that John Collins may be back in the lineup today. Now, that is a huge plus if that's the case. And and I would tell you, wait to get to the window on this thing to figure out what Collins' status is and see where the line moves because you may actually get a better price with Miami if this thing comes down by a point or so. I don't know how much Collins would really affect the line. But that said, uh, I still think Miami is the play here uh, at six or six and a half. I, I think you can wait and see if the line is going to come down. Uh, it may have jumped up to seven in certain spots. I did see a couple of shots with the seven on it. But I would wait just because uh, to try to get the best number that you can. I think Miami's defense will be able to beat Atlanta. Uh, they've had a lot of success in doing that this year, but Collins is a, is a, is a different factor. And I've said repeatedly without Collins in the lineup for the Atlanta Hawks, the problem is, is that defenses can key on Trey and force the rest of the Hawks supporting cast to go out and beat you. Now, when the Hawks played a team like Charlotte, the rest of the supporting cast had a great game because Charlotte's defense is awful. Me and four of you watching out there could go score a hundred points on Charlotte. That's how bad their defense is. That said Miami's defense, not the case. And whenever the Hawks have played a tough defense like Toronto, like Miami, like Cleveland, and you saw what Cleveland was able to do, Trey Young for a half. Now they couldn't contain him for an entire game, but I, I think that Miami's a little bit more seasoned, a little better coach. If they contain Trey Young for a half, I don't expect Trey Young to have a 32 points second half against a defense like Miami. So all of that put together, I think the right side is Miami here. However, I will say, and we pointed this out yesterday on Point Spread Saturday. The other play I have in this game is Trey Young over 27 and a half points. You're getting it at minus 112, which is not a bad price at all. Uh, Trey Young in game ones on the road. We have three games from last year, scored 35 against the Knicks in a win, 32 against the Sixers in a win, 48 against the Bucks in a win. Uh, as long as that number was below 29 and a half, I was going to be okay with playing it uh, and taking Trey Young's over and almost sort of like a mini hedge, because I feel like if Trey is getting into the thirties in this game, it's probably gonna be a lot closer than six and a half. That means he's just carrying the Hawks. Uh, I, my guess is he gets over this number, gets to 28 or 29, whatever it may be, but he does it in the fourth quarter, um, you know, as, as the Hawks are playing catch up is, is kind of the way I would look at it. And if he, if he goes under Miami's certainly covering this number. So uh, that's kind of the way I've, I've, I've forecasted this game out. You know, I think it's one of these things, too, where when you look at the total in this game, uh, it is completely a correlating bet situation. Um, for me, I, I don't see it any other way. Uh, if this thing goes over, the Hawks are in cruise control and they are absolutely going to cover this spread. I could see Miami um, winning an over game, but I really can't see the Hawks winning an under game. If that makes sense, uh, you know, it, Miami could win an over game, but it's not in their best interest. You know, Miami would rather slow the pace and win this thing, you know, 107 to, to 101 kind of deal, you know, 110 to 101 uh, that then have to win this thing, 125 to 123. Uh, and if that's the case, then I think that it favors Atlanta greatly. Um, and there's a lot going against the Hawks. Uh, you know, again, they they, they flew into Miami. Right after the game in Cleveland, uh, you know, their they're tired legs, uh, it's one of those things where I don't think that the over is necessarily a play. It's just I would lean on the under, uh, given, even though the number is low at around 216 and a half, and I would lean on the fact that the Hawks won't have their best offense, uh, given the fact that they're now playing their third game uh, in six days. So uh, it's historically, you know, that doesn't bode well for any team. Uh, You're starting to get to that point in the season where uh, teams aren't used to playing the schedule that they are. But the Hawks have had to play a playing game, another playing game, and now game one. uh, And I'll back Miami here in this spot. All right. Uh, We have more to get to. Three other games in the NBA tonight as well. We'll take a quick look at some of the forecast lines for game two. We have more to do here. We'll talk to some Major League Baseball coming up later this hour. We've got a lot to get to there. Our road to the segment, our road road to the segment, our road to the draft segment coming up as well. One NFC team, one AFC team. We could talk about their win total, odds to win their division, conference, and the Super Bowl. We've got all that to do here on Point Spread Sunday on Vsin appreciate you guys spending your sunday morning with me give me a follow on twitter at mark zinno m-a-r-k-z-i-n-n-o i certainly appreciate everybody interacting with all the messages and everything after the show and during the show so hit me up there again on twitter at mark zinno m-a-r-k-z-i-n-n-o coming up next uh the rest of the nba playoff games from today and a look ahead at game two that is coming up right here on point spread sunday on v the sports betting network we'll be right back get your monday sunday morning started right here on these
3: at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
0: This is Point Spread Sunday on VSEN,
4: the sports betting network. The NFL Draft is right here in Las Vegas, and we'll have extensive coverage, including mock drafts from Matt Humans. Michael Lombardi, a former NFL GM, will give his draft analysis. VEASAN host Mike Pritchard, who was a first-round pick, and former quarterback Sean King, will give you insight that you can bet on. Also, legendary sports broadcaster and voice of the Las Vegas Raiders, Brett Musburger, will give his draft best bets in our NFL Draft betting guide. Sign up today to get full access to VEASAN through the NFL Draft for only $19 at slash spring. Welcome back in to Point Spread Sunday here on vcin, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Mark Zeno. Appreciate you joining us here on this Sunday morning. We'll talk some Major League Baseball handicapping with my good friend Adam Trigger from Wager Talk coming up here in a little more than 15 minutes, plus our Road to the Draft segment coming up before the end of this first hour. Next hour, back into the NBA as well as Jared Hockman from, uh, from Covers joins us as we look at... Uh, the NBA slate for today we will continue there right now. As we already discussed Atlanta and Miami. And again, if you're just joining us, I'm going to back Trey young to go over 27 and a half. He's been great on the road in game ones in his limited playoff history. We'll see if that trend continues today and I'll take the heat minus six and a half next game between Brooklyn and Boston. This may be the best game that everyone's going to be watching. At least the series that everybody is going to be paying attention to. Uh, and it's, you know, I, I've said routinely about the Nets and before we even get into the the, the whole series and, and the handicap, I don't know really that I've seen this team play any measure of consistent basketball at any point during the regular season. And my only fear in backing the Nets is that I really don't know who they are 100 percent in a seven game series on a routine basis uh, against the same team night in and night out because I don't know that we've seen this same Nets team night in and night out. So, you know, it's a little bit difficult. That said, you know, Boston won three of the four regular season meetings. Boston was favored in all four uh, and all four went over the total. Boston is the number one defense in the NBA. Uh, They are on several metrics. They're number one in points allowed. They're number one in effective field goal percentage. Number one in opponent shooting percentage. Number one in three point field goal percentage defense. Like, their defense is really, really good. Uh, And as much as they are good, um, the last matchup between these two teams was a very competitive matchup. Boston won at 126 to 120. Uh, You know, and it was one of those games I remember because I handicapped the game. And it was one of those games I remember thinking that that would be a turning point for the Nets. Like they turn the corner, they go on a little bit of a mini run and maybe even get out of the play-in tournament. It didn't happen. Um, They got beat uh, and Boston really kind of just, you know, showed you, why they were able to rise to the number two seed in the conference. All of this said, I still like Brooklyn today, plus four. Uh, I, something just tells me that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving can flip a switch. Uh, I know what the numbers are telling me about Boston's defense. I'll give you a little bit more than, than a gut feeling here. There's two ways I kind of want to play this, uh, and I thought this was interesting. And we, we whiffed on a first quarter bet yesterday, but Boston has the number one first half points allowed defense in the NBA. They give up the fewest points per game in the first quarter and the fewest points per game in the second quarter throughout the entire season. Uh, and so Boston minus two and a half in the first half feels like a solid play here at minus 104. Uh, you're only paying, you're paying less than a nickel of juice. And so with, the, with that price being right there, I don't think it's a terrible bet at all, given Boston's history. Plus, I would tend to think from a game script standpoint, that the Nets coming out and starting hot and getting out to a, you know, eight, six, eight point lead uh, in the first quarter, even into the first half, leading by three or four, to me would be sort of counter. Like, I feel like the Nets need a little bit of time underneath them to get going. Uh, the crowd at TD Garden in Boston is going to be insanely loud. Uh, it's going to be an uncomfortable environment. And I think that that works towards defense. And if that's the case, then I don't see. Uh, Shots falling heavily early on for the Brooklyn Nets. So I can back Boston, minus two and a half in the first half. But I like the Nets in the game, plus four. And again, it's a little bit counterintuitive from that standpoint. Nonetheless, Brooklyn 10-6-1 against the number as a road dog this year. And Boston 16-21-1 as a home favorite. So some of the trends, and you can throw a lot of that stuff out, in the postseason because it's such a different animal in the NBA than the regular season is. But, you know, the one thing that we've known about Brooklyn this year, when Kyrie Irving has been able to play on the road, um, they've they've been a much more competitive, much better team. So uh, I'll take Brooklyn plus four in the game uh, and just sort of a, a maybe a little side play. I'm going to wait on this as we get closer to tip, um, but maybe Boston minus two and a half if that number still is that price is still up minus one minus one oh four when I saw it last night. Um, I I don't think it's a terrible bet to play at all, uh, but give me the Brooklyn Nets here catching the four points Uh, on to Chicago and Milwaukee. Uh, Is there more of a lopsided betting series uh, than the the amount of people who are betting on the Bucks to win this series Bucks went and zero against the Bulls this year straight up three and one against the number you're looking at the number three scoring offense in the NBA. And that's only by tenths of a point that Milwaukee isn't the number one offense. In the NBA, they average 115.3 points a game. Chicago limped through the end of the regular season. It just fell off. Uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan was in the MVP conversation uh, leading up to the All-Star break, maybe a little bit post-All-Star break, and then the whole thing just fell apart for them. And they're facing a Milwaukee team that, um, you know, is is dominant. They're fifth in three-point field goal percentage, the Bucks are at 36.6, and Chicago Bad defensively, 27th in three-point field goal percentage defense. That's an awful combo. Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday are going to have field days. Even if Giannis doesn't have a big day, um, I, I would look at a Middleton points prop um, and, and see where he is and possibly playing over. If he's in the low 20s or even the high teens, um, to me, that, that seems like money in the bank, given how bad the three-point shooting defense for uh, Chicago is in a way to just sort of uh, look for another, you know, bet if you're not interested in laying that big of a number. And I am not interested in laying that big of a number. Uh, I'll take the Bulls plus ten despite the odd sidedness. here, Milwaukee just 16 and 25 against the spread at home this year, and they're 14 and 23 as a home favorite. Now Chicago is 7 and 15 as a road dog, so that doesn't really cancel. It doesn't, you know, it cancels out a little bit. Doesn't really help the fair. I just I've seen Milwaukee this year with big spreads. Um, they're 10 and six against the number as a double-digit favorite. And uh, that's really, you know, some of those those ATS losses were against teams that they shouldn't have been, like bad teams. And and maybe it's just because it's the regular season and you don't really have to push that hard and a team like the Bucks, that's as veteran and seasoned as they are knows how to uh, sort of measure those those games against bad teams and still get a win because they don't care about the spread theoretically on the floor. Um and maybe that's why that number is what it is, but it's just a lot of points for me to lay. The Bucks have not been great against the number this year, uh, and they don't have to. Uh, even in this, they, they know they can beat the Bulls. They don't have to expend a ton of energy, uh, and Chicago will expend a ton of energy. I feel like a backdoor is opening this thing greatly uh, in this game. Is it a possibility that Milwaukee come out and blow them out, much similar to what Toronto did to Philadelphia yesterday? Absolutely. That is 100% on the table, but if it's 10 points, it's a big number in a playoff game for you to give anybody. Uh, and so I'll take the points uh, for a small play on Chicago. Final game of the uh, series that are all starting today between Phoenix and New Orleans. Um, Phoenix won three of the four matchups this year, both straight up and against the spread. Uh, New Orleans won straight up and outright win was right after the All-Star break. Uh, they had won four straight and... Um, Their offense was clicking at that point in time. I thought they really were going to turn a corner then. And then they lost an overtime game to the Nuggets. It was like, hey, back to the normal Pelicans. That said, uh, this is a statistical mismatch on every front. There is nothing about Phoenix uh, that doesn't show that they're going to dominate New Orleans in every aspect of the game. Um, Again, this is a a lot of points to be laying. But Phoenix, number one in shooting. Uh, New Orleans... Number one, or sorry, number 21, rather, in shooting defense. Uh, New Orleans, number 27 in three-point field goal percentage. Phoenix is number five in three-point percentage defense. I mean, it, everything you look, they just they, they collide right into each other statistically. New Orleans, sixth in fast-break points. Oh, yeah, maybe they'll have an advantage there. Nope, because Phoenix is sixth in fast-break points defense. I mean, it just everything about this is a statistical mismatch for the Pelicans uh, and why the numbers are so heavy. That said, I'm not going to take a side here. I will play the over 225. I expect points to be scored. Uh, New Orleans is going to be playing catch up for a better part of this thing, but there's no reason that this shouldn't end up, in my estimation, you know, a 120 to 105 kind of final. You know, 125 to 105 in that range for both of these teams. So, you know, for me, uh, well, I don't want to lay 10 points. I'm never comfortable doing that. I will take the the over. Because I know Phoenix is going to score and New Orleans is going to be desperately playing catch up in this thing. And I don't think that the back door is as wide open in this game as I do in the Milwaukee-Chicago game. So, again, over 225 for me. Give me Chicago plus 10 uh, and Brooklyn plus four with maybe a little sprinkle on uh, Boston in the first half, minus two and a half. Uh, if you're getting it at a minus 104 price. All right, coming up next, uh, we are going to shift to Major League Baseball. Adam Trigger of Wager Talk and the Hustle Show Pod is going to join us as we'll break down some Major League Baseball action coming up today. That's next right here on Point Spread Sunday on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Sunday on VSAN, the sports betting network Welcome back in to point spread Sunday as we get set here for uh, Adam Trigger from Wager Talk, this segment brought to you by Ice Cold Beers, card Hold Cash. Join the action on the pitch with Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free-to-play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken Beer Made better. 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. Welcome back to Point Spread Sunday. I'm Mark Zinno. Give me a follow on Twitter, at Mark Zinno, as we get set to be joined by Adam Trigger of Wager Talk and the Hustle Show pod here in just a moment. Just guys give me a thumbs up when he's ready to go. Uh, but there is a uh, trend in Major League Baseball that I want discuss with Adam in reference to the K-Props and the prices that we're paying. And let's welcome him in from Wager Talk. See his work on the Hustle Show pod with a whole bunch of really great handicappers. It's Adam Trigger joining us here on Point Spread Sunday.
5: Adam, good morning, man. Thanks for being here. Uh, Good morning, Mark. Great to be here. Love talking baseball. And uh, yeah, we got football all day, USFL.
4: Great, great (laughs) Sunday coming up. Uh, Yeah, uh, bet the unders in the USFL. Not. That's what I heard from yesterday. Uh, Anyway. (laughs) But let's let, let's talk about K props here because you know uh, I was looking at some of the numbers here and some of the interesting prices you're being asked to pay. Look, there's a lot of variance right now with K props because starters aren't going deep into games. Managers are trying to manage these guys because of the truncated spring training, and you know with so much variance in the weather, uh, cold weather games and things of like that in outdoor and and rain. I mean. It seems like when I look down the board today, not every K prop is out, but I'm seeing, you know, minus 150, minus 160, minus 165 to overs. Even on unders, I'm seeing a minus 160, a minus 150, and a minus 140. Those prices seem a little bit high. Do you feel like that's just being done to sort of limit the marketplace from trying to take advantage of an uncertain market in K props?
5: Oh, absolutely, Mark. So there's that, and then there's the fact that a bunch of smart people beat the books all year on these last year. So you know, co- go back a couple of years, it was hard to find strikeout props, like right. Like you had to kind of sift, you know, search offshore, and some books would have them, some wouldn't. Uh, but but with with legalized gambling, sort of, you know, the the books coming in in, in these all these different states, they're offered now. And you know, my my. Friends like Drew Martin, Ariel, they're mid-major Matt. Like, they're all really good at, the. I mean, they all crushed the strikeout props last year. So I think we're seeing um, what you alluded to, and then we're also seeing uh, the fact that I think the books were starting to get beat on these overs with some softer lines, and now they're just going to make you, you know, pay a premium to bet an over K prop. So I think the way maybe to look at it going forward it is to start sort of finding spots to fade, right? Like if you're seeing minus 150s, if you're seeing stuff that's juiced up like that, the, the the way I would look at it is, okay, where can we like go contrarian here and maybe get a good price on opposing something that, you know, going ag- against the grain to, uh, to oppose some of these like juiced up numbers. All right, we'll get back to K-Props here in a minute. Let's talk about some of the games
4: for today. One thing I did get right yesterday was the Yankees covering the one and a half on the run line. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, Better lucky than good, as you and I were texting back and forth yesterday because it was a a bad start. But the Yankees and O's close out their series today. Nestor Cortez going for the Yankees against Bruce Zimmerman of the Orioles. The Yankees have had the Orioles number at Camden Yards. They've always beaten that team well there uh, and taken care of them. How do you handicap this game? And Nestor Cortez, by the way, once his K-Prop
5: comes out, I think you could find some value with him. Well, yeah, I mean, so that's the one thing, you know, last year when the Orioles faced Cortez, they struck out a ton. Um, I want to say, 11, I think he had 11 Ks in six innings and in one start against the Orioles last year. But uh, I like betting the plus one and a half in general. I, I think it's the, the best bet you can make in baseball is a plus one and a half run line when you're, when you don't have to pay significant juice, uh, because I think it's natural. Uh, people want to bet favorites. They don't want to lay a ton of juice, so they look to lay the minus one and a half, and I think the books will price it accordingly. Uh, Last year, there was two teams that were just cash cows, if you will, on the plus one and a half. It was the Diamondbacks, surprisingly, and the Marlins, who both finished way under 500, but both finished around 500. I want to say one was over uh, against the plus one and a half run line. Uh, This year, I wouldn't be surprised if it was the Orioles. You know, they're four and four against the plus one and a half so far this year. And I think the Baltimore Orioles are are starting to turn a corner. Now, do I think they're going to, you know, does that mean they're going to contend or even come close to 500 in that division? Probably not this year, but I do think they are getting better. And one of the things I noticed with the Orioles last season before, like if you go back to about mid July, their bullpen had really good numbers and they fell off toward the end of the season. And I want to say that that was more so due to uh, fatigue and, and being overworked than anything, because the innings really started to pile up for that bullpen last year. Uh, this year, you look at the Orioles bullpen; they're they're top five or top ten in the league in, in most important metrics right now. Uh, ERA, two point nine three. They lead the league in fifth. Their their bar replacement is is second. So I think there's there's the Orioles bullpen is far better than it was last year. You have a guy in Zimmerman getting the start who looked pretty good against the Brewers. I don't think he'll go really very deep in the game, but the Yankees haven't seen a ton of him. And, you know, we talked about Cortez at the outset, uh, but the, the one thing for the Orioles is they did see him a couple times last year, so maybe they make an adjustment. We go back to last night, the, the Yankees had to wait out that rain delay. They played an 11-inning game on Friday, so if there was ever a spot for maybe a little fatigue, maybe coming out a little flat Maybe it's here for the Yankees. You know, they do have to travel after this game. Uh, I think the Orioles are just a little bit better than they're getting credit for. So the fact that you can get a free run here at home, plus one and a half, and you only have to pay, like, minus 105 for it, uh, seems like a pretty good bet uh, that the Orioles could hang around in the finale of this series.
4: Yeah, again, not a bad play to to even take the under. Uh, It is juiced to 115. but. You talk about the Aleem, a night game that was rain-delayed last night for a 1 o'clock start today. Guys, maybe a little bit sluggish. Might also be a good spot for a uh, no-run first inning between these two teams just because uh, they they are a little bit sluggish. So uh, just some other ways to look at that. Let's go to Sunday night game between Atlanta and San Diego. You Darvish on the mound for the Padres against Bryce Elder uh, of the Braves, who who made his major league debut against the Nationals, wins that game easily. And he's actually being moved up to start this game. Uh, for the Braves so he doesn't have to face the Dodgers next uh, tomorrow night uh, in Los Angeles. So, um, you know, the the Braves and the Padres, two of the highest strikeout teams in the league right now. I think the Padres strike out more than anybody. Braves are in fourth as far as total strikeouts is concerned, not K-rate, just total strikeouts. Uh, but I don't know, really know what to expect from the Braves at this point. It's been a mixed bag. Their offense has been a little bit sputtering. When they've scored, they've scored in bunches. But in other games, they haven't scored at all.
5: Well, Mark, you, you kind of nailed it, that the Braves are striking out a ton, which I think helps Darvish here, who's been much better at home, and he, he's got, when he, when he can start striking guys out, he tends to have his, uh, his best outings, when he can rack up the strikeouts. Um, you know, obviously, Darvish got pounded in his last start. I think the Victor Caratini trade has really hurt him, you know, coming into the season. He had uh, thrown to Caratini 58 straight times, and then a day before the season, they traded. him. So I think there's been a, you know, a little bit of an adjustment for him. Um, but I, I kind of like Darvish to bounce back here. I, I mentioned the, uh, you know, his numbers at home are significantly better than his numbers on the road since joining the Padres. And if you go back in history, uh, fading a guy in his second major league start after he has a really good debut is not the worst angle ever. Uh, I don't have actual numbers for it. And that would be almost impossible to sort of compile. But you know, you have Bryce Elder who comes up. He looked really good in his debut, uh, albeit against the Nationals. Uh now he's got a pitch on Sunday night baseball on the road. Um, he he had a he, he had walk issues in the minors. And I think the lineup he's facing here is, you know, far superior to that Nat's lineup, which is basically Soto and a, and a bunch of AAA guys, pretty much, or ca- AAA caliber uh, guys at this point. Uh neither bullpen has been great. Uh, but you know, I go back to last year. The Braves, their bullpen was an issue prior to the playoffs, and then they had this great run in the playoffs. And everyone said, "Oh, the, the Braves are this great bullpen." Well, the playoffs is a whole different uh, animal when it comes to bullpen because all the games are spaced out, and you can you can put guys in different roles. And they kind of had a wealth of of just good pitchers. So now we're back in this season. The the you know the uh, bullpens I think are a little bit more of an issue. I like Darvish to bounce back here. I think the Padres at home, finale of this series, a little bit shorter price. I think San Diego gets it done.
4: He is Adam Trigger of Wager Talk and the Hustle Show Pod. Give him a follow on Twitter at TopFlightSI. Adam, always great to talk to you, brother. Amazing stuff, as always. Check out the Hustle Show Pod. It's some of the best handicapping around. Thanks for the time this morning, bro. Appreciate
5: it. Thanks for having me, Mark. Good luck today.
4: All right. Coming up next, uh, we will get to our path to the draft segment. One NFC team, one AFC team. We'll preview them both from a win total. Odds to win their division, conference, and Super Bowl. That is coming up next right here on Point Spread Sunday. I'm Mark Zeno. Thank you for spending your Sunday morning with us here on Beast the Sports Betting Network. spread Sunday on v the Sports Betting Network. Conquer the competition for cash with the Northman Clash on the Ice Challenge. Join two free-to-play pools and compete for your share of $10,000 in total cash prizes with your hockey predictions. Head to DraftKings.com slash The Northman now to join the action. That's N O R T H M A N, The Northman. The Northman in theaters, April 22nd. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Welcome back in to Point Spread Sunday here on and D Sports Betting Network. I am Mark Zinno. Follow me on Twitter at Mark Zinno, m-a-r-k-z-i-n-n-o Uh, Next hour, we'll get back into the NBA uh, as the four games in the other four series. Game ones will all get underway, uh, and we'll be joined by Jared Hockman, who will help us break those down coming up. I'll have all my final plays for you before the end of the show, as always. Right now, let's turn our attention to the NFL as we continue our path to the draft segment that we're doing here on Point Spread Saturday and Point Spread Sunday. One NFC team, one AFC team, as we look at – uh, their path to the draft and where they are and their odds, win totals and, and chances to win the Super Bowl and things of the like. All right, let's start in the AFC with the New York Jets, Jets, jets. Uh, and this is always fun because, well, making fun of the Jets is always easy. It's low-hanging fruit. But nonetheless, uh, Robert Sala enters his second year as head coach of the New York Jets. This was a team last year that went 4-13. and 13. Uh, Clearly, again, Zach Wilson, they're still trying to develop him, figure out the back position, their over-under the win total this year is at five and a half. Uh, I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. And it's not because I don't think I think the Jets are going to be great or they're going to surprise teams. It's just there's so much variance to eliminate. Anytime you're looking at a quarter into year two, the biggest jump in their progression is supposed to be from year one to year two. That's where you really find out if a guy is going to, quote, make it. Right? Uh, and is it fair to know that about Zach Wilson when – the Jets have problems on the offensive line. They don't have a running game. They don't have a great defense. Uh, you know, you're talking about a team that is is 150 to 1 to win the Super Bowl with good reason. They just don't have a ton of talent at this point in time. They've got 15 million in cap space, and they hold two picks inside the top 10 this year in the draft at number four and at number 10. So they have some ability to find some impact players uh, and figure out what they're going to do. But the problem is the Jets are one of these teams where they have enough holes that you know, you don't really know what the direction they should go in. There's reason for them to take an offensive tackle. There's reason for them to take an edge rusher. There's reason for them to take a quarterback. There's a reason for all those things. And when you have valid reasons for doing all that, it just tells me that your organization um, isn't really in a doesn't, – doesn't have a path forward. Uh, and you have to choose that path, and it's got to be the right path. And that's a lot on a young head coach and Robert Sala uh, and a front office that historically has botched these opportunities on a routine basis. You know, I mean, you could make the argument, too, that taking Zach Wilson last year was the wrong thing to do. We don't, It's hard to know if Zach Wilson can play. I think we've seen some flashes of brilliance, but I think, we think we've also seen some bad stretches and bad decisions from a young quarterback. And you can sort of, you know, rationalize bad decisions by a young quarterback, but when the rest of his peers – and other young quarterbacks aren't making those routine bad decisions. You didn't see it from Joe Burrow in his first year. You know, you didn't see it from even from Baker Mayfield in his first year. Played a lot better he did in his first two years than he did in the remaining two years of his uh, his rookie contract. But again, you know, those are sort of the things and the comparisons that you have to make when evaluating quarterbacks uh, and where you drafted them and how the rest of his peers are doing. So uh, I say all that to say that it's, you know, there's no reason to back the Jets uh, from my standpoint, on an over or an under, could they win six games? Yeah, they could because I think they'll be competitive enough to hang around with a team like the Dolphins, depending on how much Tua progresses. If he continues to struggle, remember the Dolphins started out one and seven last year, um, and and so there's some opportunities there for them. Um, you know, again, the Jets are going to be playing a fourth place schedule, so they'll play some weaker teams um, a- a- across the board and have the opportunity to get some wins. But for them to go over this total, they're probably going to have to get two. Uh, at least two division wins and I don't think that they'll be able to get one against Buffalo uh, and you're asking them to split with the Jets and the Dolphins and that may be still uh, I'm sorry the the Dolphins and the Patriots rather that be a tall order for this team so uh, I don't like their their win total over or under. It wouldn't surprise me if it went under. It wouldn't necessarily shock me if it went over. You know, there's a certain part of me that wants to believe that the Jets are finally going to turn a corner and that they've accumulated enough talent. But again, uh, I, I don't know what direction. I talk so much about teams having an identity and and figuring out who you want to be uh, when when you when you look at certain teams and you and sometimes their identity is a player. But you know, you think about the. Think about their defense, right? You think about the Steelers. Think about running the ball and defense. You think about the Packers. It's it's the quarterback. It's Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, and they're an offensive center team. Um, you know, a lot of these teams have that sort of identity that goes along with who they are. What's the Jets' identity? A mess. Like, I, I don't know what else to tell you. Sorry, Jet fans. I mean, you, you you're, you're, this shouldn't surprise you. I know you may find it insulting, but it, it's been messy. And so maybe we have to wait for the draft to figure out what kind of team they're going to be. Is Robert Seller going to draft? Defensive guys being that he's a defensive guy, you know, it's hard to figure out and hard to know exactly uh, what they're going to do and how they're going to be able to be competitive. So uh, that's the jet Our NFC team this year is where this segment rather is the Chicago bears six and 11 last year. They're over under win total set at seven uh, and they have a brand new head coach in Matt Eberflus. Uh, I would lean on the under here. For a variety of reasons. One, um, they're at best the third best team in their division behind Green Bay and Minnesota. I think the Lions are taking a step forward uh, with Dan Campbell. I think the Lions right now, stop traffic, have a more accomplished and better quarterback than the Bears do at this point in time. I think that's fair to say about Jared Goff. And so uh, I would lean on the under here, especially when I get it at seven. For me to think that the Bears are going to be an eight and 19 this year feels like they traded away Cleo Mack they have you know on the defensive side of the ball that really scares you and oh by the way you know organizationally the Bears like this is something that always will make me scratch my head you have a quarterback that you drafted in the first round last year Fields Justin Fields didn't get the starting job under Matt a former offensive coordinator with Peyton Manning um didn't get the starting job because they knew he wasn't ready to play. And there were certain things about the NFL game that he picking up fast enough. Now he had to play because Andy Dalton got hurt. And when he did play, you saw him struggle. So if I've got a young quarterback who struggled in year one, and I have a new head coach to hire, does it make a ton of sense that you went out and hired a defensive head coach to do that? Uh, that's like a, ug. That's like a not smart thing. And I know you don't necessarily have to hire the coach based off of who your players are, but man, I mean, if you'd spent the draft capital on Justin Fields, you better spend the coaching capital on him to make sure that he's successful. Uh, and, and that's not a knock on Matt Eberflus as a head coach who was a DC in Indianapolis or Eberflus Is it Eberflus or Eberfluss Anyway, regardless, that's not a knock on him. It's just one of those things where it's like, You're rolling the dice here. Uh, Again, year one to year two should be the biggest jump for a quarterback. Will that be the case for Justin Fields? Maybe because I'm going to go, but he was bad last year. I mean, you're talking about games where he was like six for 11 for 75 yards and and getting crushed because he's got an offensive line that's terrible. Uh, Not a good spot for the Bears. Uh, I don't feel a ton of confidence coming from Chicago. Uh, for this team, they've got 24 million in cap space. They have the 39th overall pick in the draft as their first pick because they traded their pick away to the New York Giants. So they have nothing in the first round and no chance for them to make themselves infinitely better without moving things around and possibly trading away more draft capital um, to get a first round talent. It doesn't seem like eight wins are in the cards. You give me this number at seven, uh, I'm okay with it because I can push and I would take the under. That's where I would lean on this thing. Um, and the under looks like it is plus 115. Uh, and I'm getting plus money. I mean, it seems like a lot of value right there. What's Someone's got to show me the reason. Oh, by the way, Allen Robinson, he used to play for the Bears. Yeah, he, he now's in, in Los Angeles with the Rams. Where are the offensive weapons for young Justin Fields? I mean, I, I know you have David Montgomery in the backfield. I think he's a super talented back, but is that going to be enough? Who's he throwing the ball to? Cole Komet? Uh, sorry, Cole. No disrespect, but there's just not a lot of things on the offensive side of the ball um, that make me believe that this team is going to be offensively competitive at this point in time. Take the under. Uh, I don't think you should overthink it. I mean, honestly, though, it, as as much as the Bears are a uh, a historic franchise uh, and certainly and, and have a lot of pride, pride don't win football games. At least not all that often. It doesn't. So. Uh, I'll take the under on the Bears. I'd stay away from the Jets one way or another. Uh, I think both of these teams are going to struggle this year, um, and I'm curious to see what Justin Fields can going forward. All right, coming up next, uh, we will stay with the NFL and look at the NFL draft, which will be right in Las Vegas. Of course, who's going to be the first player selected? Who's going to be the first quarterback to go? We'll discuss all of that coming up next. Right here on Point Spread Sunday, I'm Mark Zinno. Follow me on Twitter at Mark Zinno. Thanks for watching and listening to v the Sport.